welcome to the second episode of the Mostly NU podcast. Uh, this is Bryce here again with my brother Callum. What's up, guys? And big, exciting week since we last recorded here for Northwestern. Um, a lot has happened. There's a lot of buzz that has generated around the basketball program. Um, the football program getting some love as well, but let's just get right into it. Um, we'll start with football. The defensive coordinator hire for Northwestern, uh, David Braun out of North Dakota State. Um, he's been there since 2019. Just to kind of quick bio on him. He's got two national titles while he's been there. Um, he's on the younger side. I think he's around 35. Couldn't find his exact age. In 2021, he won the FCS Coordinator of the Year. Um, and while he's been there, North Dakota State's defense has been really strong. I think I saw ninth and 11th the last two years in, in FCS scoring defense. So um, he's had a lot of success defensively in the team as well. They're a bit of a powerhouse in FCS for, for anyone that doesn't know. And um, I don't think he has too many connections to Northwestern. Um, so your thoughts on that, Cal? Uh, yeah, first thing, I like always getting a, a, a hire from a, someone that's not just bouncing around from, say, some other power five school. I like, like seeing a guy that's, that's really been through the, through the ringer of just like some lower level schools. Um, I think a lot of times those guys, when they get put in these opportunities, it's really time for them to shine, to show what they've, they've got. It was at Winona state for, for eight years. Um, then UC Davis, Northern Iowa really been around the block. And the other thing looking at his, at least his coaching history, um, it's nice to see that he's worked with linebackers, defensive line and safeties. Um, from a defensive coordinator, I, I really like seeing that um, uh, an array of knowledge, not just not just a position focused uh, coach, um, which will be nice to see. And then obviously his successes at North Dakota State, really impressive. Eleven point one points per game in twenty twenty one, twelve point three in twenty nineteen, um, just some really impressive stuff. Obviously, um, I like to see a coach that that's had extreme success at one level. Um, whether that be D2, FCS, whatever, I, I prefer that kind of hire over someone that's, uh, that's just a mediocre, you know, big 12 coach or something like that. Yeah. And I mean, to, I mean, to be the dead horse to pick on Jim O'Neill, but he's somebody that kind of was, um, job to job, didn't have a ton of success. Um, and that's the example, kind of what you're saying you don't like is hiring someone who sure they've had power five experience they've had nfl experience but they haven't been that good and i agree with you i think i'd rather get somebody who's kind of that cream of the crop at the fcs level or the group of five level um because i mean let's face it those are teams that beat northwestern regularly at this point fcs teams and we lose to group of five teams so i don't think there's any problem with getting guys from that uh from that level and i think the fact that he's young and the wide receivers coach we hired as well really young coach um and I think not a lot of ties to Northwestern is something Fitz wants as new perspective to younger guys. Um, Cause he is kind of that anchor of the program. He is kind of the elder statesman. So he doesn't need his coordinators to also be that same type of, of mold, I think. Yeah. It was good to see back a few years ago. He, he was able to beat Illinois state. So that was, that was nice to see. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then just the other thing, I mean, I've been able to see this. I mean, I, for all you guys that don't know, I, I go to the university of Washington and, the coach we hired, Kalen DeBoer, he had spent five years in an NAIA team. He kind of bounced around as a coordinator a few years, but really worked at, at Fresno State for a lot of that as a head coach and a lot of that staff. Um, 
all came from uh, from lower level schools, and they were able to turn a team around from from four and eight to eleven and two. So, at least in my my personal experience, I, I've seen it, that that's something that can work really well. Yeah, instant success for Kalen at Washington. So um, it'll be exciting to see. Um, we won't get too much into everything else that we could with football right now. We'll save that, I think, for once basketball's wrapped up. But um, exciting stuff. Glad we finally have the defensive coordinator hire and uh, maybe now the coaching staff can get a little more active uh, in the transfer portal. But I don't think we need to go into that can of worms right now. So let's move on here to basketball. So massive week, like we opened saying, um, huge win against Illinois at home and a huge win at IU on Sunday morning, uh, early 11 a.m. game, which, by the way, I think we have five of this year. So Northwestern basketball is now following the trend of Northwestern football playing 11 a.m. games. Um, maybe that'll help us jump on our opponents early. But uh, a lot of excitement around the program, and let's just dive into the Illinois uh, recap here, and I'll let you open up with any kind of general thoughts or if you want to go half-by-half, half, Calm. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't able to watch the game live, so I, I watched the, uh, the replay of it this morning. Um, and one thing, uh, for me, i boy, being a little negative, I, I do think it does help. I think we did catch Illinois at a very, very good time for ourselves, obviously after the game with the, the unexpected departure of Sky Clark, um, and that, uh, really helpful, um, just the way that, that Chase and Boo are able to, to run this offense um, through themselves, uh, really impressive. Um, even when shots aren't, aren't falling, our ability to get to the free throw line, make shots, force Illinois to make mistakes, uh, was really, really nice to see. Um, and uh, the other thing, the students in that game, just that was unreal, real to see the, uh, the students show out like that. Yeah, the, the student section was great. Um... And we'll talk a little bit more about the kind of controversy surrounding that after we go through these two games and a lot of students getting rejected. But I mean, I was there at the game 30 minutes before tip and the student section was full. Um, it was awesome to see. I think we're going to get the same thing again for Rucker. Um, I think it's going to fill up even sooner. Probably now that people kind of know uh, that it needs to, to get, get there quickly to get your seat. But the students were awesome. Um, and just back to the actual gameplay. So I think, um, getting into the specifics more, one thing that was interesting, I know we talked about this in the Ohio State game, was the team felt like they kind of got jumped on. They felt like Ohio State played a lot more physical than them. And in the Illinois game, one thing I noticed, first possession, um, design play, clearly coordinated straight to Big Matt. They wanted to get it inside. They wanted to get that easy bucket early. Um, and Big Matt is somebody who we've seen really come on here, I think, over the last couple weeks especially in these last two games he doesn't put up a bunch of points but he really makes a good impact um on both sides of the ball he has a pretty high block percentage and he uh is a, a kind of a bonus piece i think for us that we uh that we weren't expecting this year yeah i don't think anyone would expect him to have one of the highest offensive ratings on the team i don't think i don't think if you told anyone that i don't think they'd believe you no, that was uh, that was unexpected. And, uh, of course, in the Illinois game, Chase, a fantastic first half. I think he put up 13 alone in the first half and kind of led us on that early run that we, we had Illinois on. Robbie was getting physical, going to the basket, driving hard. I think that's something that was really important for us over both these games. Um, let's see what else here. So 
I think one thing that was interesting was in the second half, I think it may have been the first eight minutes until we had our first field goal. So we had that kind of dry spell that's killed us in the past. Um, but the team was able to kind of overcome that. We still had put up, um, let's see here, 40 points maybe in the second half, I think about. Uh, yeah, 42 points in the second half. Free throws helped us kind of stay in it while we couldn't score there. But um, I think that speaks to the team's maybe leadership that the guys were able to, to come back for that. And certainly it speaks to the defense that even when the shots aren't falling, you know, you can still kind of fall back on our core, I guess, of our what our team is. Yeah, um, this is, I mean, it's the problem we've had all season. I mean, obviously it's tough to look at the Illinois game, but but when you're shooting 32% uh, from the field in that game and you're still able to beat a team that's probably going to be in the NCAA tournament by 13, um, that just shows the character of this team, the fight. Um, when they got down, they just they, they kept fighting. Um, so. Yeah, and uh, the only other thing I really want to mention here is just kind of on the Illinois front. I know we talked about Sky Clark uh, at the jump here a little bit. Now he left um, the program. You know, I hope everything's okay with him. But I tell you, Brad Underwood, you see him live and you, you watch him play against your team, he really is kind of a lunatic. Um, he was, I mean, I don't know. I guess the guys, you know that you're going to get that when you go to Illinois. It's not a surprise, but he, he's in everybody's face. And, like, I'm thinking to myself, he's probably going to hit a player at some point. You know, he is really – that animated he is that mad um it is just it is something to see it's a little jarring honestly to watch a guy scream at kids like that on the sideline in front of you it it really felt like i was watching fran mccaffrey it it, that's what it felt like uh (laughs) i find it funny illinois like recently they're probably the most hated team is iowa and michigan they love to you know send these memes out about fran mccaffrey going you know DEFCON 4 or 5, whatever, and uh, and now this is this is exactly what Brad Underwood's doing. Um, it's, it's definitely a sight to see. Yeah, look, I uh, it, he's a, I mean, he's had success at Illinois. He's a good coach, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he got himself in a Juwan Howard type situation um, at some point over the season. He uh, he really he really is fired up, but uh, I guess that's just the way he likes to coach. That that'll be fun, and in, in, uh, whenever uh, we get to see Illinois play Michigan, uh, yeah, that'll be a uh, or Illinois play uh, Iowa. Unfortunately, yeah. not till a little later in the year. Yeah, those will be good games to watch. Um, <laughs> the only other thing I want to say in this Illinois game really is that uh, I think we caught an Illinois team, like you said, kind of looking to find themselves a little bit. They got a win against Wisconsin. I think the game after um, we beat them, which was big for them, but. Uh, they had that Matthew Mayer or Meyer, I can't remember how to pronounce his last name, who was playing well for them. And he was kind of their only offense that they legitimately could get. Terrence Shannon was totally shut down. Um, and Coleman Hawkins, I mean, it. I felt, I don't know. I felt bad for him because I, he really could have, I thought, taken Matt Nicholson to work. But he, for some reason, decided his best offense was to pull up from three. Um, Underwood commented in the postgame game just kind of saying how terrible the shot selection was, but um, just some questionable decisions, I think, from Illinois players. Yeah, certainly interesting to see how many how many threes that, that Coleman Hawkins takes. Um, yeah. About half the shots this season are from, from deep, but he's, you know, two of six against us. It's, you know, interesting, 
interesting offensive strategy. It's the thing I, I said about Illinois going into it. They didn't have an identity um, against us. Um, I don't know, maybe with some changes in the program, they'll fix some stuff, but but who knows going forward for that team. Yeah, unfortunately, fortunately for us this year, that's something we can take advantage of because we are a team that has an identity, so it's not something we need to worry about as much so we can play our game um, and take advantage of maybe those teams that are down. But, yeah, good win. Anything else to add on the uh, on the Illinois game? Uh, not on the Illinois game, though. All right, so moving into the IU game, to me this one's a, a bit of a different story. I know they lost Race Thompson. Um in the game before this, but they still are a group that has um, plenty of older players. And I don't think this is a team we necessarily caught off their game so much. I mean, Jalen hood Shafino um, put up, what was it? 33 points. He was five of seven from three, seven of 10 um, from two. So he had a really nice night. IU was throwing some really, really hard punches at us. And this was a game that was on the road, but boo booey credit to him in the second half. He really stepped up. I mean, three or four big, big shots at the end of the game to kind of stop the bleeding and shots that mattered. I mean, with that three going in for them at the end, we only really end up winning by one, which is a bit deceptive, but uh, a really more quality win in my opinion, not just the fact that it's maybe a better opponent, but just the way that IU played, I think, and the way that we won was more impressive than the Illinois win. Yeah, especially going back to the Chifino, putting up five of seven from three. I mean, the last two, I mean, he did it against Iowa as well. He went five of eight from three. That's half his threes from the season coming in the last two games. That's just not something you game plan for. And to have a guy just uncharacteristically just step out of his shoes like that um, and to still be able to to fight back and and uh, and control the game really is speaks volumes to how, how we shut down the rest of this Indiana team. Yeah, and, and to be fair, his shots were, I mean, he had some wide open looks but a lot of them were really highly contested, especially at the end. I mean, he was just out of his mind um, at the end of the game. But, I mean, if you look at uh, TJD, he was 18 points, but that's 18 points on 19 shots. So you've pretty much handled him pretty well. I know he had a big night on the glass. Um, He also had some assists, but in terms of his actual scoring output, um, we're able to, to handle him pretty well. He had three turnovers as well. I know the whole IU team obviously had a lot of turnovers. But uh, I think we handled we handled him pretty well in the pain. I think credit to Matt and uh, and Titus doing their job there. Yeah, I mean that's that's what you expect to, to happen out of TJD. I mean I said it going in. It's it's you can let him score as long as you let him be inefficient. Um, he was able to pass the ball well, but in terms of uh, scoring less than a point a shot, it's that's just great to see from uh, from uh, Davis. And then you know. Miller Cop, you see you going, you know, five points, um, used on 8% of possessions. Uh, just uh, just something to note there. And yeah. just going back to this Indiana team, um, it's for Northwestern, I don't think no one was afraid of this Indiana team. Is That's, that's what I love to see. I know I, I'm watching, uh, listening to a podcast. Joe Baker, uh, old Rutgers point guard, um, said that no one in the Big Ten was going to be scared of Indiana this year. Um and to go into Assembly Hall, which people say is one of the toughest venues in, in college basketball, and to lead for it was the entire game or nearly the entire game is such an impressive win and to put up our best offensive performance in that environment against an Indiana team that 
that uh, it's done a pretty pretty solid job defensively so far this season. Yeah. Um, I think one thing, you know, we got to talk about is the defense leading to offense for us again here. Um, I think what it is that we had 14 steals um, as a team. They had 16 turnovers. Um, and I think we had something like 26 points off turnovers um, in that one. So just massive shout out to the defense. Um, it's kind of interesting. Huchifino, while he was kind of saving their whole team, keeping them in the game, he also had six turnovers, I think. And I think four of those, if I remember back correctly, probably led to just kind of wide open layups. So yeah, he was scoring for them, but he was giving it um, back up. And that's a, a huge credit to Chase. Six steals for him. I mean, six steals, eight assists for Chase paired with 19 points. Um, that's a really impressive stat line for him. Um, so, I mean, everybody's been saying it. Chase has really been kind of comeback player of the year this year. He's playing at an all Big Ten level. Um, so far this season, it's just, it's awesome to see for him. Yeah. And that the one thing is, as you mentioned, the, the points, uh, off turnovers, um, it still leaves me the question of when we start playing these games against teams that, that aren't turning the ball over as much. I know we got Michigan coming up and they, they turn the ball over the second least in college basketball. Um, it's how are we going to get a lot of that offense? Cause I know to start the game, we had, we, I think it was, 14 points on seven turnovers or something like that. So if we're not able to get those live ball steals and, and quick buckets off of that, um, it's really hoping that, that Collins is able to get that, that half court offense going um, as he hasn't really, we haven't had a great half court offense so far this season. Yeah. Hopefully Ty Berry's coming on a bit here with a shot. He had another uh, nice game shooting the ball and hopefully he can kind of get going. Brooks Barnheiser, a bit of a threat. Boo and Chase, we know, can be good shooters. So um, I think just at the end of the day, you know, you can get guys open, but guys got to make shots. And uh, we've seen that our guys aren't always making shots. So if we want to be teams like that, that we just aren't going to be able to turn over, we need to just kind of make those plays. We need to make shots at the end of the day. There's only so much you can do as a coach to get guys open. Right. But uh, yeah. All right. Anything else you wanted to add on this this IU game? Uh, no, I know you want to talk about uh, Adige's health, kind of uh, working through some cramping and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. So we can get into that. So, I mean, at the end of the, I think it was at the twelve minute mark is when he first kind of came out. I mean, I'm just thinking normal sub, but then he didn't end up coming back in until maybe the seven minute mark and. He went to the locker room at some point there. Uh, it was back spasms, I think they said this time. They didn't give a huge update on it or anything like that, maybe just cramping in his back. And then same thing happened at the end of the Illinois game. I think it was just his uh, calf was cramping up at the end of that Illinois game, and he only – I think he ended up missing maybe the last eight minutes of that Illinois game, which we didn't need him quite as much because we won by 13. But I think it'll be interesting to see if Collins is going to maybe limit his minutes or, you know – try to just make sure we can get him healthy for later in the year. Cause at the start of the season, he was playing 35 plus a game. And now in these last two, he's been at 31. Um, but that's been because injuries have taken him out. So I'm interested to see if Collins kind of goes proactive approach on that and just making sure that he is healthy and he can stay out there and be a hundred percent. I mean, at the end of the IU game, he was on the court for the last few minutes, but he was not a hundred percent. He was clearly visibly couldn't move as fast. His back was tight. Um, just kind of gutting it out. I know he had, 
problems. I think that's what his issues were last year were his back issues. So maybe it is something that, you know, it's not going to get worse. It's just something he has to deal with, but just kind of interested to see how Collins handles that. Cause obviously he's a guy we need out there. Yeah. I, I'm not, I don't mean, there could be something else like, you know, that they, they've known about um, just yeah. like with his health, but it is tough to see that, you know, against, you know, Brown, he plays easily 38, Ohio state 34. Right. And just to see him really struggle in those last 10 minutes, it's just something to keep an eye on. Uh, it's it's definitely tough, though, because we put so much of that workload on him. Uh, same right. with Boo. Um, so it's just something to be – just to keep an eye on. Not necessarily to worry about, but at least yeah. keep an eye on as we, as we move forward, especially in the, yeah. getting the, I, I mean, the Big Ten schedule, not, yeah. having, not having a buy for uh, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the trainers obviously know what's really going on, and I'm sure they're going to handle it properly, but just something to, to kind of keep an eye on and see how that progresses as we go on here. Um, and then kind of a, a bit of a, a hot, bush, hot button issue uh, for Northwestern fans over the last uh, week since that Illinois game has been the student seating. So um, I think people had said maybe, you know, up to a thousand maybe students were turned away. I'm not sure if it was that high, but it's definitely in the hundreds, uh, 30 minutes before the game, people were getting turned away. And the students already have to make the hike on the bus to get out there. Um, so it's definitely unfortunate to see. I certainly understand both sides of the coin. Northwestern wants to be able to sell tickets, I suppose, um, for those student seats as the student section hadn't filled up much of the year until this Illinois game. But, you know, the student section at the end of the day, they're the life of the game. The regular fans, they're not going to be the ones making noise um, impacting the game. So I think that the athletic department, at the very least, in my opinion, needs to clear out both of the lower kind of end seats for them, I know one of the sections, they only gave them the middle. They didn't give them the sides. I think that's the least that they need to do here for as many of the Big Ten games as they can the rest of the year because, you know, the students are the life and we need to be willing to kind of accommodate to them and and do what's right for the players, for the fans, make it a better atmosphere. What makes it especially frustrating um, is, is for the Illinois game, where, like obviously as you're saying, is that the the fans that they would be turning down or the fans that we could be kicking out for that are the Illinois fans. The Northwestern season ticket holders, they're still going to be going to those games. By adding extra student seating there, moving forward, if the students do keep showing up like this, that's just going to make it more of a Northwestern crowd because it's not like they're kicking out other Northwestern fans, if, if we're being honest. Right. Right. Um, so, so that's where it makes it. <laughs> For a game like Illinois, especially, um, just as it would be for, say, a game against Ohio State and, and, and that kind of stuff. Those teams that have those huge fan bases in the Big Ten, that, that if you can get as many students as possible, especially for those, it, it makes such a massive impact as it did against Illinois. Yeah, I think the thing that's frustrating to me is, okay, sure, I could understand at the start of the year how they were going to sell some seats in those sections, whatever. They didn't know that the team was going to be so good that those students were going to turn out like this, but... Now that they are turning out, you kind of need to be able to make the adjustment. I know for the Purdue game, for example, is sold out. The Wisconsin game maybe is almost sold out. It's going to be sold out here within a day or two. And they're going to say, oh, we've already sold the tickets. There's nothing we can do. But honestly, is it really that hard to just go to people who bought single game tickets and say, sorry, you can't. Like, They can just cancel the ticket. Northwestern has that right. It's not illegal or something. They're going to be canceling Purdue people's tickets. They know who the season ticket holders are. They can easily just move season ticket holders, you know, 
if they need to. And just if you bought single game tickets, sorry, you know, you're SOL. Um, so we'll see what they do for the, the Purdue game that's sold out, for example. Um, it'll be interesting to see. And you don't want to alienate students, right? One bad experience for a student, maybe they never show up again and there's not that many students to pick from. So you want to make sure you keep those relations good. Yep, 100% agree. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the Rutger preview. So we've got Rutger Wednesday at 8 p.m. Another game here on BTN for us at home. Really great opportunity. Before we get into the specifics, um, just kind of want to talk about maybe what this game means for the team. I think, uh, one, it's a really good opportunity. Rutger is a top 20 team um and to get a team like that at home while you're running so hot i think it's just uh the players have got to feel really good i think confidence will be high i think the start will be interesting to see kind of how we come out but but certainly a really really good opportunity again for us yeah i'm certainly of the um it's a great opportunity um i am of the negative bunch where i'm you know a little nervous where i i look back to uh was that two years ago you know, we have that great start. Um, uh, Chase is like first year when, when we win at, at, at Indiana, at Ohio State. Um, uh, and then just it's, it's really keeping up that consistency. Um, so far, offensive ratings have really gone up and down. Same with defensive ratings, ratings have stayed the same, but it's can we just keep this going? Yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how things progress. I totally agree. We've it's still so early in the year. I mean, so much is going to change, right? Wisconsin's still a ranked team. They're probably not going to end season ranked. You know, some teams are struggling, yada, yada. Purdue's the only team that's shown that they're really um, kind of, I guess, Purdue and Ohio State as well recently. But those are the only two teams that I think, for me, have their place at the top of the conference. Other than that, I mean, it is totally just a, a free-for-all other than Minnesota, Nebraska at the bottom, the other 10 teams. I mean, who knows how that's going to shake up. It could genuinely probably go just about – any direction uh, with those teams. Everybody's got some good players and everybody's got some, some big time question marks. So, so really interesting to see, but let's get into the specifics here on Rucker. I'll let you open up with anything you got and want to go through. Yeah. So I mean, first thing um, you're going to see is it's a familiar name on the court for Rutgers. Uh, one of their best players. Uh, he, he actually gets the most minutes for them as highest offensive rating. That would be Pat Spencer's brother, Cam. Uh, He's a senior, uh, one of the best defensive players in the Big Ten, um, facilitator on offense, um, really does everything that they could ask of him, uh, shoots the ball extremely well. Um, I believe he hit that that game winner against Purdue. Um, the stats now, he's 97% from the line, just a, a do-it-all player. Um, you think that's what, what, what Pat would have been had he played played basketball four years. Um uh, and then they have they have some familiar names, you know. They've they've got Kale McConnell still. Um, uh, Moat Mag has played played really well. Um, uh, they still got Paul Mulcahy, Cliff Amori. Um, they've got all these these senior guys. They're they're one of the older teams in the country, um, and this experience uh, really is is proving itself um, so far this season. You know, they, they they picked up that huge win at Mackey um, against Purdue. Um, wins against, you know, Indiana, um, in conference, they've, after poor non-con, non-conference, they've, they've really proven themselves. Um, and then when you look at who they are, 
they're really, really similar defensively, at least when you look at their efficiency. Um, they're, they're coming in at 130 offensive efficiency, but they're third in the country defensive efficiency-wise. Um, so it's a similar type of just defensive team, um, not playing super quick. Um, so to me, this game at first glance is this is a this is a race to 60. Um, <laughs> whoever whoever can get over 60 puts themselves in a darn good spot to win this game. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting uh, interesting matchups to watch. One question is. Pat, do you know of Cam Spencer? He's a senior. I think I saw him listed as. Has he, has he been at Rucker for four years? He transferred in. Must have transferred in from somewhere else, right? Yeah, he transferred in from uh, Loyola, Maryland. Uh, oh, okay. But he didn't yeah, play lacrosse. Um, he played basketball. I, while you speak, while you speak, I'm going to actually look <laughs> that up. I don't think he did, but I'm going to check that. All right. Um, just a couple of things I'm looking at here. Uh, one thing I think that, that bodes well for us is looking at their points distribution um, offensively. And I don't think it's too hard to slow Rutgers down, but we could really stifle them as they get uh, 57% of their, 58% of their points um, from two. It's good for 32nd um, best in the country. And we have the number two, two point defense in the country. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. They really don't have any shooters. Anybody who's even shooting, at any kind of volume other than Cam Spencer. So if we can keep him off the three-point line, I think that we can really kind of rely on our two-point defense to keep them keep them to a really low number there. Another, another key piece, I think, for us is going to be we know what Rutgers defense can do. They work kind of, like you said, a similar way to us. They're going to get a lot of their offense from turning us over, turning other teams over. So if we can do what we did against Ohio against IU have, I think maybe two or three turnovers in that game. Why know it's one in the first half, I think then we'll be okay, but they get 13.6 fast break points per game. So that's definitely going to be a, a big factor to watch. Who's going to control, control the physicality, I guess. Um, who's going to be the team to, to kind of set the, set the tone there. Yeah. And then I looked up Cam Spencer did not play at least in college. I imagine he did growing up, but. Yeah, I I agree. Level. I think if uh I think if Pat Spencer played uh, basketball for four years at Northwestern, his Northwestern career, his basketball career would be looking a lot different. I think he's still trying to make it in the pros right now, which is just incredible to think about. But uh, an incredible <laughs> athlete. Last time I checked, he's he's still playing in the G League, so that's, yeah, that's, that's something to, to play a year of college and 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 make it in G League like that. Another kind of interesting thing for me here on this Rucker team, I mean, like we talked about, they have a great win, right? They win at Purdue. That's an incredible win for any team. I mean, Purdue loses one, literally one home game a year. Sometimes they go several years without losing a home game. So really impressive win for them. But, you know, other than that, I know they've got a win against IU at home, but they've got some weird losses. They lost to Temple. They lost to Miami, Florida. They lost Seton Hall. They lose to Iowa by double digits and you know that Iowa team I don't know if it's really all that good so I I don't know I think maybe they struggle with consistency a little bit um it'll be interesting to see kind of what version of the team we're going to get um I don't know I think they're a solid team I think they're a tournament team but I don't know if they're necessarily as good as is where they're rated right now just with how kind of inept their offense can be but 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do see what you're saying there, but I think it really just comes down to their – they just haven't been great in close games because, I mean, that Miami mm-hmm. team, they're, they they played really good basketball to start the year. I think they're, they stayed undefeated for quite a while to start the season. Um, I mean, and, and these losses are by six to Temple, seven to Miami, one right. to Ohio State, two to Seton Hall. Their only game, the only game where they were, I mean, out of it, where they really just got flat-out beat was Iowa. Um, but the rest of them, it really just comes down to you just you just haven't been able to make shots come down the stretch because in close games they've they're really one in five, one in four with yeah the one obviously coming at Purdue. Um, but the rest right. is just not being able to get it done down the stretch. So I think that that record is is quite deceiving in my opinion of what they really yeah, are. No. Yeah, that makes sense. I hear you. I think it's gonna. Uh, it's going to need to be a creative game plan for us. Um, we're either, I don't know, I think we're probably going to need to make some threes is what we're going to probably need to do. I know their interior defense is really strong and they and they crowd the ball. It's probably going to be tough for Big Matt to, to get any buckets. Maybe we can get Robbie in the post um, working on driving and, and whatnot, but I think probably for us to win, the key is going to be hitting some threes. But uh, we'll see. That game's coming up here tomorrow and uh, it'll be a good atmosphere. I think home court advantage too is going to play a big hand in that one. But yeah, anything else here on the record game? Um, no, but let's honestly 50 puts us at a good spot to win. I'm going to say, <laughs> I, I don't even know what the, uh, uh, total for that game is. I wonder what the over under is. It's probably like 120, maybe total points. I don't know. Well, I know. Yeah. Ken Palm has it at 59, 58 right now. So I figured that, that so, over under yeah. between like 115, 120. Yeah. That's what the a real, that's a real what... big a real Big Ten West football game is, is what I'd like to say. This is <laughs> yeah. this is Iowa, Wisconsin. This is Iowa, one twenty six. I guess one twenty six over under. So uh, we'll see. We'll Boy, see that's... how that one goes. <laughs> All right, let's move on here to the Michigan game. So we've got Michigan another Sunday eleven a.m. game on BTN. <laughs> no better place to play an eleven a.m. game than BTN. <laughs> But this is a Michigan team who uh, they've struggled. They've got uh, one really, really good player in Hunter Dickinson. And I think the rest is a, a bit of a new bunch. But uh, I'll let you take the jump here and, and give us what you know on Michigan. Yeah, so it's a young team. Um, you know, they've got two freshmen that, that, that start. Um, the key of that being Jet Howard. Um, he, he's, been, he's been the main him and Hunter Dickinson have, have really been the two main guys on, on offense uh, and, and Kobe Burt, uh, Bufkin. Uh, Hunter Dickinson really hasn't been the same guy that I think we've been seeing the last couple of years. Um, I know he obviously had a phenomenal freshman year, um, but he's not a player that I'm, I'm really too terrified of. Um, I think big Matt is more than capable. He's proven, uh, to us and, and to everyone in the Big Ten that, that he can take any of these matchups. And I feel pretty confident in the way that he'll he'll match up against Hunter. Um, and then defense defensively for us, Chase. Chase, I think, will, will, will do a good job. I don't know who we're going to – we're going to put him on there. Um, probably on Jet. Um, I, I think Robbie – I think Robbie will be on Jet. Robbie's definitely – Robbie and Brooks combo, those guys will be on Jet, I would say. Just because – I mean, I know we switched a lot, but Jet's at 6'8", so I figure Robbie's going to be on him. But – 
Yeah, I, I just don't know about the, the speed there. I know Robbie's yeah. pretty solid defensively, but I just worry about him getting beat kind of off the drive, off the dribble. Sure. Um, will be something I'll, I'll want to see. But then looking at team-wise what we're going to see out of this game, when you look at uh, it's some of the main factors, the four factors, you, you're looking at turnover percentages is one of the key ones. And at least when Michigan's on offense, they've turned the ball over the second least in the country. Um, but then we've forced 27, <clears throat> 27th most turnovers, turnover percentage-wise. So it's really a battle of, of, of who who's better. Is, is that Michigan um, offense, are they going to be more uh, able to control the ball, control the pace, or are we going to be able to, to muck up that game and, and really force these turnovers? So, so it's a battle of the two strengths there. Um, and then uh, that's the main thing I'm going to be looking at, um, at least for, for when it comes down to, to what I'm watching for. Yeah, that was one big thing um, I circled. It's going to, I mean, another thing for them is they don't foul a lot. I think uh, they're in the top 50 maybe for free throws. Um, free throw attempt for field goal attempt uh, defensively, yeah. So they're a team that, and for us, you know, that's kind of what we've been hanging our hat on when we can't score, when we can't shoot is getting to the free throw line. I mean, like look against Illinois with 32 points. We were at the line 40 times. And then against IU, it was getting points off turnovers. So those are two things that they maybe aren't going to let us do. So it'll be interesting to see if, if again, we can dictate that and kind of make those things happen. If, if our defense is good enough to still force turnovers on a team that doesn't turn it over, or we're going to have to rely on the half court offense. So I agree. Those are the two, the two biggest things I'm, I'm looking for. I'm also a bit worried defensively for us on defending the three point line. Uh, Jet, is a pretty solid three-point shooter. It looks like Kobe Bufkin too can can hit some threes. So they've got a little more volume from three guys who are at least willing to take threes. Um, and we've struggled a bit defending the three-point line. So I'm a little worried about them kind of getting hot running from three there. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then it'll be interesting to see. Um, I mean, this will be the first game back at least for the students uh, at Michigan and. I, I don't think the way uh, their season has gone so far. I mean, they're nine and six. It kind of depends if you win that win or lose that Iowa game. But but if we can catch them off a loss from Iowa, the students kind of dead. It's Sunday. It, it you know right. You said eleven a.m. Uh, uh, noon noon for for the Michigan fans. Um, if we can really take advantage of a of a sleepy crowd out in Michigan, um, that would be. That'd be huge, at least in those first ten minutes. Yeah, based on the the people I know that went to Michigan, there would be little to no interest in going to a basketball game at eleven a.m. So I, I think it could be a pretty <laughs> sleepy crowd, but uh, we'll see. I I do I know I joked about it at the start, but uh, I I don't know. I think it benefits us playing these eleven a.m. games. I think we're a really hungry team, and I I don't know. I think it would feel weird to play a basketball game at, at eleven o'clock in the morning, just like it feels weird to play football sometimes that early. But uh, if we can come out, be the team that's physical, be the team that's more hungry to start. We can get off to early leads like we did against uh, Illinois and IU. But, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it might, Any... just, be me on the, uh, the, or it might just be me on the 11 a.m. games, but I think it's it's actually better to be the road team. You know, oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess you have, that, you have that kind of – you already know you're going to have to bring your own energy so you don't have the crowd to kind of fall back on. 
as much no matter what happens. So I guess, yeah, you're just kind of going into that dog bite mentality. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, anything else, anything else that sticks out to you here on this Michigan game? And then we'll do a little, uh, around the big 10. Uh, nothing really sticks out to me on the, the Michigan game, but the one thing I was looking at, um, just kind of to, to really, again, just point out how great this defense has been this year. We currently have the lowest shooting percentage, two point shooting percentage among power five teams, the lowest effective field goal percentage among power <laughs> five teams. Yet we are sitting three and one in the second best conference in basketball um, behind just the Big 12. Um, so that just goes to great lengths um, <laughs> just to really show how impressive. I mean, this is the – this offense is better than just Minnesota efficiency-wise in the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, so just, just unbelievable how much this – how important this turnaround of the defense has been. Yeah, and I think, too, I think it, it just can't be understated. I think we get to the free throw line pretty well, and then we also just um, are able to get those points off turnovers can um, help us so much. I think Chase, I saw, had like 20 more fast point fast break points than anyone else in the conference um, on the year. So so he's getting so many points there. And then also, it isn't as if we win every game at 60 points. You know, we are able to kind of scrap together points, even though, like you said, the effective field goal percentage is so bad. Um, we put 70 points against Michigan State, you know, put 73 against Illinois, 84 against Indiana. Uh, I, I said it on Twitter. I didn't uh, change the topics here, but I, I didn't think that this team was capable of winning an 84 point game you know with the other team scoring 83 but uh we did it with indiana and i think that was big just to show kind of the um looking for the right word here kind of different ways we can win uh, it doesn't need to be kind of the same blueprint every time there's different ways we can do it so yeah that was good to see yeah it feels like a it feels almost like a northwestern football team you know just yeah. kind of we scrap yeah. together points somehow and it, no one understands it but you know <laughs> we get it done yeah, we, we win ugly, and our, our offense and defense are so, so intertwined. It's not one and the other. You know, they work together. It's not like we just have a great defensive day. They, they definitely work together. So it's uh, exciting to see. But let's uh, let's jump around the Big Ten here. So over the last week, so we had Purdue, Purdue going down to Rucker. That was in this last week, or no? That was the previous week. Uh, that was uh... – I mean, yeah, that was the previous week. That was the uh, actually the night we recorded um, yeah. last week. Yeah. So, so that was that night. Um, just huge, huge, huge get for Rutgers, especially coming off a gr- not great non-conference season. To be able to have that resume-building win come come March is is massive for them. Yeah. Um, just that'll be huge going forward for them. Yeah, having those statement wins uh, could do a lot for the committee. Purdue, no longer number one, dropped in the AP poll, I think, to number three today. Um, so Big Ten, I think we just have two ranked teams now in the latest AP poll, and I saw maybe six teams receiving votes, maybe five teams receiving votes. So just a bunch of middling Big Ten teams, like we mentioned earlier. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a dog, dog fight for it. We're in that middle, middle of pack uh, group of teams, us, and then obviously like Rutgers, Michigan. Um, yeah, Indiana, and and that's why the stretch is so so big. Um, but but yeah, and then and then like looking at IU now, they're they're falling back to that middle pack. Um, yep. Two losses this week. Um, that loss to Iowa really hurts. Um, I mean, I was 
putting together some wins now, but, but but that was a pretty shocking week, I think, from from people outside the Big Ten to see mm-hmm. IU fall two in a row. I know they I mean they really gave up that that Iowa game being down or being up, I should say. Was that 20, 27, half, 27, it? yep, twenty seven. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we had Michigan beat Penn State by 10, and then later in the week, Michigan loses to Michigan State. Uh, Penn State's a team that's played well. They've had good wins, I think. They've been getting a lot of respect. Uh, Penn State dropped another one to Purdue, so, you know, picking up two losses can be tough on those middle teams. All of a sudden, you're uh, dropping a few games, picks up three or four, and there's there's no off days. Maryland, who struggled, they beat Ohio State. Um, so just kind of a lot going on in the middle just needs to kind of develop more. I think over the next few weeks, we'll start to see some teams stand out, but right now it's just a big pack of them in the middle. I really think you could give me, you could tell me to rank two through 12 in the big 10. Everyone, if you had to give me rank everyone, but Purdue, Indiana, Nebraska, I think I could do that 15 times. and I'd come up with a different (laughs) order every single time on which way I would want to rank them. You, you, Um, you, you think that Indiana's a bottom two team over Minnesota? Or sorry, not not yeah. Minnesota and Nebraska. I don't know why I said I was just looking at the standings okay. here and I saw IU yeah. at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I know you don't like IU, but uh that's pretty harsh on them. Uh all right, let's uh look ahead to some of the big games other than the Northwestern games coming up this week. It looks like just as we're recording here, Michigan State is gonna hold on to beat Wisconsin. Illinois at Nebraska, I mean, it's kind of a nothing game, but at the same time, that's a game that Illinois needs to be careful of. They need to take care of their business. Uh, any big ones that kind of stand out to you this week? Um, I mean, obviously, like you're looking at the middle of the Big Ten, you see you see Rutgers, Northwestern, Indiana, Penn State. All these games that we're playing here, especially at the start of the season, as you try and get some teams to have some separation, are going to be huge come March. Um, uh, looking back, because a lot of these teams, we're all going to be on the bubble together. Um, again, Michigan, Iowa, those are two teams that have kind of struggled a little bit this year um, that are starting to pick it up. That'll be a, a good one on Thursday. Um, and then long weekend, uh, I think Indiana, Wisconsin, CBS, that'll be a, an early yep. game, uh, noon central. Uh, that'll be another set of good games. And then moving into the weekend, you know, you've got Ohio State going at Rutgers and Maryland and Iowa and as I said last week, it amazes me the schedule we have in this conference every every single week. I think the biggest two games or the big the biggest kind of team to watch this week is going to be Indiana going to at Penn State and then home against Wisconsin. I mean, they easily drop those two games and sitting at one and five on what is that? I mean, would that be a five game losing streak, four game losing streak? Uh, that uh, would be a really Interesting storyline to see this early in the season and would put them in a really big hole. Certainly only five games in a conference play, but uh, not a spot they would want to be in, so, or six games in a conference play. So that's my biggest kind of team to, to keep an eye on, I think, this week. And they could kind of get themselves off the map almost. Yeah, they, and I, as you sent this to me earlier, is is there was a, a post on, on social media yeah. doing that, the circle of, of Indiana basketball. That, you know, you get your hopes up. When they fall, then they play well, and then it gets your hopes up, and then they do bad. And I think it was five Indiana players commented on that post. I think yeah. that, uh, yep. Miller Cop, uh, um, Xavier Johnson, and a few other guys commenting, you know, 
like, oh, you guys aren't real fans. And this is on like a pretty big Indiana, Indiana page. Um, definitely interesting to see how much that they watch the outside perspectives. Um, and, and just an interesting thing to, to keep an eye on at least how much they're interacting with that, that fan base is definitely something you don't see from most guys. Yeah, well, we know Miller Cop is big on social media. Uh, with Trace Jackson Davis, he's kind of a makes some odd social media posts. I'll say, uh, if you've seen his TikToks before, I can't remember what they call themselves. Um, yeah, it's some spin on the the Liver King guy. It's something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, um, but I he's I an mean, odd guy. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Yeah. <laughs> I. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I uh, think though, in all seriousness, I think if you're a, a player on IU, you probably do look at the media more because it's usually one, there's a ton of people talking about you, and two, they're they're just talking more positively usually. So you love reading that stuff. You love going on about it. Versus a Northwestern, there's not that many people who talk about Northwestern basketball in the first place, and it's usually not that positive. So these guys, you know, they on our team, Northwestern, they probably block it out. They don't pay attention to it quite as much, and there's just not as much for them to read. Um, and there aren't quite as many negative people uh, around Northwestern as I know IU gets a lot of negative hate. It's a lot of these blue buds do. If you look at the comment section, a lot of negative people, and I'm sure that can affect the players in a struggling locker room. Yeah, I I can't imagine that. I mean, I don't know what all went on with, with Sky Clark, but I can't imagine being around, say, Illinois media uh, and fans yeah. helps. I know they, they, they've got a pretty similar type of fan base, at least on, on the Twitter sphere. Yeah, you hope with something like that, though, where someone leaves a program, they say they need to take time for their family. You hope then people respect it, but there are always those, I mean, just jerks out there who are going to say stupid things. Um, but that's something, you know, that, uh, you hope Sky Clark gets back. He's a, was only a freshman, really good player, really highly recruited guy. Um, certainly it was somebody that Illinois fans were looking forward to watching. And as a big 10 fan, you want to see play. So hopefully back sooner rather than later playing basketball, at least somewhere. But, uh, yeah. Anything else here around the big 10, any news, anything you wanted to follow up on before we close out? Not, not that I can, can really think of. Um, but it'll just be interesting, you know, another week. See see who can set them up, themselves up for March. Yep. The, w- the weeks keep stacking up. And before you know it, we're into February and, and we're into March. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And hope you enjoyed this. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, anything you want us to talk about, feel free to shoot me a message on Twitter and let me know uh, what you're thinking. But thanks for listening to the Mostly NU podcast.